Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and videocast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. This week's episode of What's Going On, I'm Pastor Katie of Yankton First United Methodist Church, and I'm glad to have you with us this week. As you can see, I have a special guest with me this week. Uh, joining me is Reverend Rebecca Treves, who is our district superintendent and who will be joining us for worship this Sunday. Uh, she's going to be bringing the message because in between our services, we are going to have our charge conference. Now, I've just said a lot of very Methodist words in that introduction. You did very well, too. Good job, Katie. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so, Rebecca, I would love to just one thank you for joining me today, and then um, let's just start off by maybe breaking down some of the things I've said, so that uh, if people don't uh, aren't familiar with our system, uh, can understand who you are, how you relate to our church, and what a charge conference is. So, I'll start with you are a district superintendent. What does that mean? I am. Well, thank you. I want to first of all just say thank you, Katie, for having me on. It is great to be here, and I'm excited to be uh, down in Yankton. Um, that is my alma mater and the, the church that sent me on to college and eventually out into the world and um, was very encouraging along the way. So I'm excited to be there. And so, yeah, I'm in this new role uh, since July as a district superintendent. Um, we in the United Methodist Church are a connectional church which means, um, you know, each church kind of has its own, th does its own thing, but they're connected and under um, uh, what's called an episcopacy of Episcopal system. Um, and so again, I'm using more big words. So let me unpack that a little bit. So within, we are within the Dakota's conference, North and South Dakota, all the United Methodist churches in North and South Dakota are connected together. And it's broken into four districts. Ours is the Southeast District, which Very basically named. <laughs> yes, it used to. Though, so that's funny that you bring that up. It used to have these really, I think, it was Glacial Lakes, and yeah. they had all of these funny names, and people were like, "I don't know where that is." Well, what was the Northwest one? Was like Sakakawea. Sakako, yeah, yeah. I was like that that one up there with this. Well, and the, the irony was this was the Glacial Lakes District, but our Northeast District, which starts basically at Watertown, north to Canada, that's actually where all the Glacial Lakes are. <laughs> so it was sort of like, wait a minute, why are they called that? Mm -hmm. And they called themselves the Eastern Sunrise, and we're yeah. all we were like, as opposed to the Western Sunrise, <laughs> and then sort of a backwards. Yeah, so, I came up through Eastern Sunrise. That was where, because I was in Millbank when I got my call. Into oh, yeah, right, right. So, so I started South, out in Eastern Sunrise. So Southeast District, which basically, again, goes to just south of Watertown. And then across uh, Redfield is probably my farthest kind of corner up there, down to Kimball, and then follows the river below the interstate, kind of Geddes and Wagner and down there. So that's the district. And so within that, um, I have about 66 uh, churches or so um, and pastors. And I kind of oversee their ministries. I'm the kind of direct supervisor, if you will, to those pastors. But really, I do that in partnership with the um, staff pastor parish relations committee of each of each church or charge, as because we have some two-point um, charges where it's two churches that work together and share a pastor. And so 
Yeah, so part of um, that kind of overseeing and um, supporting coming alongside churches and pastors is to every year uh, to come and visit that church. And the most obvious time is sometime during the fall for our charge conference, which is really an annual meeting of the church. Right. It's meant to be a time to celebrate and give thanks for the things that God has done in the past year and then look ahead to how we'll be um, stewarding uh, resources, human, financial, otherwise, into the coming year. And so with that stewarding of resources and the responsibilities that come with that, it's things like, um, you know, looking at our budgets or who's going to be in leadership or that. And so we begin to have those conversations and, um, yeah, just again, make sure there's all the, also the checks and balances of being an organization. So your incorporation letters with the secretary of state up to date, you know, things like that, that we just check in every year. Um, Which so. is always good to check in because, you know, all of that fun stuff you sort of don't think about most of the time, or you would never know about that, that we have to care about. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, there are. And again, things take for granted and just assume we're done. And, and then when you're asked about it, it's like, Oh, actually we haven't checked on that or, and so again, and, um, yeah, so it's, it has kind of a weird name, Charge Conference. Um, and that's a whole other explanation as to why it's called that. But I think that's probably another like Methodist history and polity um, podcast that uh, we'll be having at another time, right, Katie? You know, it's it's definitely on my list because <laughs> okay, you know, good. I'm sure that there's a great demand for understanding. I think Actually, we can start up. A great demand for understanding how yes. how our, our systems all work together. And it's confusing. I mean, I didn't grow up in this system. And there's still times where I'm like, what now? Yeah. Uh, who's making this decision or how does, how does, who decides that? Um, yeah. It's, and it is, it is unique because a lot of folks either, if they didn't grow up in the church at all, all of this is going to be new, but many people grew up in what are called congregational uh, churches as opposed to connectional. And so they are, each congregation is an entity upon its own and they have to find their own pastor and they, you know, they're just certain aspects of that whereas with our connectional system we support and resource as as well as are held accountable to one another and we committed and covenanted for that yeah so um i think it, it tends to come out the most like around getting a new pastor we tend to have those conversations more which has happened in this church obviously i'm sitting <laughs> yes <laughs> yes happened recently um and so you know we start to to notice our connectional system in that way because I was at a different church and I became appointed here through the work of the cabinet and the cabinet is the district superintendents plus the bishop. And, 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 the and then also the director of ministries, which is used to, that used to be my title alone. Um, I'm still carrying those, that portfolio and responsibilities, but yeah, that um, is a part of the appointed cabinet. And yes, that's the group every year that looks at our churches and what churches will be open, particularly those that have a retiring pastor um, or a pastor that has requested or needs to move for another reason. And then we look at the other um, assets we have available in terms of pastors and incoming pastors and recruited pastors and try and align gifts and needs in that way. So that's why it's so important to have you as the DS come here and to experience our church because you're, you're part of the conversations that help direct kind of 
where we're going and and have kind of really direct impact on what happens with our church. So it is important for us as the church to uh, to share with you what what's going on with us and for you to know about those things. Yeah, Katie, I think that's a great point. And for, you know, not just for appointments, but, you know, part of what I'll, what I'll ask on Sunday, and people can be thinking about this, you know, I, I ask you to share things that you are grateful for, that you appreciate about your church, so I can get an idea of, of again, some of the things that are going well, and, and just people are, are, are reminded of why the church is matters, and why it matters that it's there in Yankton in this time. Um, what are some of the challenges that or roadblocks you feel like you, you might be facing because that's a part where I can, I might have resources or connections, people or other churches to connect you with or um, other different kinds of things that can help the church. And, um, and then also kind of dreams or hopes you have for your church and for that same purpose is that um, the conference exists to support the local church in accomplishing the mission. And and we say, you know, each church might have its own kind of iteration of, of the mission statement, but our mission as the United Methodist Churches is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But we believe that happens in the local context. And so, however, our, our hub of connection as a conference can support that and be networking and create that, we, um, yeah, we see that as a valuable asset and resource. Yeah, and you know, like you said, every church is a little bit different as far as I would say like churches have personalities, just as oh, people yeah. have personalities. And so like getting to understand, you know, what a specific church really values, what um, mission kind of uh, focus and goals that they have. And um, it's, it's really fascinating. I've only served, this is my third church, well, fourth, because when I worked as a youth pastor, so the fourth church that I've really been in ministry in, and it's fascinating because none of them are the same, and there's structures that are the same and things that I understand in that way, but it's always interesting coming into a new church and, and going, this is the personality of this church, and this is the yeah. way they you know, they work together in the way that, that they live out their mission, which is different because of where they're located, size, any number of factors. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. it's interesting to have to manage 66 of those <laughs> <laughs> to, to keep that straight. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And, you know, um, as, the, as the communities around that the churches have changed, um, how they've had to adapt in that way and, and being in, in ministry and, you know, um, but it's a reminder, you know, the, the power of the gospel message that has gone on for 2000 years in every part of the world is still a constant. Um, but the, the way that ministry and mission is done um, has to meet the people there and the needs of that community and um, the, the language that community speaks both literally and figuratively the language they speak. And um, so yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting but but the neat thing again, I've I mean, obviously, so I'm third generation United Methodist pastor in the Dakotas. So um, I'm, this is obviously what I know and I've seen so many aspects, but that, that connectional network, the way that I've seen um, churches and pastors and other leaders come alongside and build each other up and, and kind of fuel each other with ideas or encouragement. Um, it's just really awesome. And again, I don't, I don't know up close, um, what other 
you know, denominations or groups or that or like, but I just, I've seen the blessing of that kind of a connection and the, what it means when we serve one another's churches, you know, we follow each other and, or, you know, somebody, ser- a colleague serves the church that we grew up in. And um, yeah, it's just a neat thing. So you are the district superintendent now, and prior to this, you were the director of Connectional Ministries, which you still are. You're, you just yes. added on more to your plate, but you are first and foremost a pastor. You are ordained, um, and so maybe it would be interesting because you did mention that, that you graduated high school in Yankton, and so you have yes. a connection here, but maybe share a little bit about your journey in ministry and how you ended up in the role that you're in now and how that kind of evolved, because I think yeah. interesting. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about the, um, the appointment system and moving and that, um, Yankton is an interesting place because so my, my dad, um, Howard Grenager is his name. He went, um, was second career pastor. And so went to seminary when I was in, you know, just starting school. And so we moved to Mount Vernon as his first appointment. We were there for nine years. So the only move I really did because of ministry, if I don't really count moving, you know, in second grade, was to move to Yankton as a junior in high school. And so that was tough, (laughs) to say the least. Um, And it was tough because I also entered um, into a a church that all churches go through times of grief when they say goodbye to one pastor and no matter how much they might love the next pastor. So um, I I got tastes of their, some of their grieving, um, which, my, you know, father as an adult could navigate well. I, as a 16-year-old girl, when everything was dramatic, had no time for that and was so, but it ended up just being a blessing. And so much of the things, so many of the things that I got to be a part of in Yankton and the people there that we just grew to love and were so just gracious and welcoming to my family. Um, yeah, it was, it was one of those times where you're asking like, God, why? And then you're like, uh, you can look forward and say, oh, okay, I see how you worked in what my 16-year-old mind thought was the end of the world um, and just the blessings and, and the sort of groundwork that that laid. And so then I went on to college from there down in Iowa at Simpson College. And I had been asked in high school um, by a camp counselor, hey, have you ever considered ministry? And I said, no, uh, because that's the family business. It's not what I want to do. Um, in fact, I don't know if you know this, Katie, but um, actually, my dad, my uncle, and my grandpa all served at Yankton. Really? No, I didn't. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. The Granager is <laughs> so large here. Yes. Yes. So all three um, served at Yankton at some point in their careers. So, um, so, but anyway, yeah, I was like, no, I that's if I if I ever think about that it's only because it's all that I know um, in Christian service if you will and so I you know did college I did a a year as a leadership consultant for my sorority I did two years as an admissions counselor and then I was like I have to leave the comfort zone of the Midwest to do something bold if God's going to call me into whatever it is and I moved to San Francisco which was like you know, moving to another country without having to change the currency. Yeah. Um, and so I went there and which was a tremendous experience on so many levels, including my faith. And um, while I was there was 
um, yeah, God was like, okay, are you ready for the next step? And I'm like, yes, God, the next step is grad school for educational counseling. And God said, no. And I'm like, yes, but I have this lined up and this lined up. And God said, no. And so <laughs> I was not ready to say I was going to be a pastor, but it really, um, through some conversations and prayer and things God worked through, I knew that seminary was the next step. And so I went to Chicago to Garrett Evangelical and, um, yeah, was there for three years, met my husband, the other South Dakota students in my class. <laughs> Once we determined that we weren't married, well, we weren't related, we could get married, and um, we did, and uh, moved back to uh, the Dakotas in 2005, and I served as the associate pastor out at Rapid City Canyon Lake, and then um, was there for five years, and then over to Brandon uh, to Celebration, and then thought I was going to be there for 10 years, you know, raise my family there. And again, um, God had other plans and the bishop uh, sat down uh, with me and said, I would like you to consider being uh, my director of ministries. And I said, what? <laughs> and so, so yeah, so we ended up in Mitchell uh, just a little over six years ago. And um it has been a, a tremendous experience, tremendous growing experience for me. Um, and our, our family has just really enjoyed. I've got two boys, a uh, sixth and an eighth grader, and my husband, Steve, works for uh, Sioux Falls Seminary remotely. So he, he's over here. And so, yeah, it, um, it's been a, a long journey. And then, yeah, now this kind of moving into the district superintendency role, which was supposed to be just this, but COVID changed some of our reorganization plans. So I do still have the um, director of ministry responsibilities, but um, I was really so blessed. Uh, Al Roll, who retired from an executive pastor role at one of our churches in North Dakota, was looking for something to do in his early retirement. So he's um, working with me with our mission ministries and disaster response mm. ministries. And then Roger Spar, uh, former district superintendent, was like, I'm retiring, but I'm, you know, not going out to pasture if you, you know, and so I've got him, he's helping me with some projects and kind of um, coaching some pastors and. And, and actually he's coming to preach in December here. He's going to uh, come December 13th and lead worship that day. I'm, I am taking off to go be a supportive wife for my husband who's doing a uh CrossFit competition and so oh, yeah that's yeah. right so Roger's gonna come and and share the message that day and I'm super excited to have yeah him and and get to see see everybody here again yeah yeah so, that's awesome yeah, yeah so, so yeah, there's a story you know there was a lot of that story that I wasn't aware of but you missed I think a really important piece of which is the first time that you and I met which is kind of an interesting Thing, which you probably I, I, maybe I can't even qualify that we met um, the first time I knew of you I will say um, because in 2003 it was my first summer working at Lake Fonset camp yes. and I was just out of high school um, this is not a dig to say that I'm so much younger than you but I you am are. It's but, okay. it's yes, you are. <laughs> but my last day of work at the camp that summer there was a wedding and I I was on staff that day to um, 
to work the wedding to help in the kitchen and and earlier that day we were out in a pasture cutting thistles and there was a snake under one of the thistles and I was like if I didn't have this wedding I would quit right now like I was <laughs> not in a good place but it turned out that it was your wedding that I was working yes that's right so I actually saw you get married uh you know yes through the windows I wasn't creeping but yeah um <laughs> But I do remember that wedding and actually it was part of the reason that I wanted to get married. I mean, I love the camp, but I, I had yeah. also seen a beautiful wedding at the camp where, where the reception was down in the main lodge. And so when it came time yeah. to get married, I'm like, no, I know this is going to work. You know, yes. like, are you sure? And I'm like, I've seen it. I've, I've, I've seen it. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> oh, we loved it. It was so great. Oh my gosh. We had so much fun having our wedding there and reception there that, yeah, it was so fitting. Yeah, yeah, so it's just that, yeah, that that was the first time. I was thinking you were going to say it was hip hop interpretive line dance, but, um, oh, you know, I, I think maybe I sort of blocked out the fact that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you but know, I, this got this got brought up at last week's charge conference. So I think this is probably going to go out ahead of me um, and people are going to not come to charge conference because they're going to be afraid of what we're going to do. Well, I just want to. So. So you taught hip hop interpretive line dance at LTC, one of our one of our camps. And when I was a youth pastor in Milbank, I had a lot of youth that went to that camp, and some who really loved that class, really, really loved, loved it. it. Um, to the really point, loved it. They wanted to bring it back into the church and and to start doing that as part of uh, our youth ministry. And I have zero dance experience. My dance experience was sitting and watching that class during LTC. Um, and so, yeah, my, I think the last two years I was in, in Milbank, we were doing hip hop interpretive line dancing. You know, and you can partly blame actually the Yankton High School drill team for that. I mean, you know, that was kind of my, I had dance class before that when we lived in Mount Vernon, but that was like the first real step into the creation of what was, became known as hip hop interpretive line dance. Well, so one of my students, he has now gone on to become a Zumba instructor and a Zumba like choreographer. He discovered his love of dance through this. And so this is a viable career for him now. Uh, when he was in college, we had choreographed a dance that he performed at something at SBSU. And in some, uh, somewhere on some program, I have a credit as a choreographer and I'm like, the things awesome. that you do in ministry that you would never, ever imagine. Yes, yes. So. And, and just so people know, again, this was a made-up name comes <laughs> from that we, it was, so many people are familiar with like liturgical dance where you use these beautiful, you know, songs and there's flowiness and it's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's the same premise, but it uses Christian hip hop. Right. Interpretive is that it is meant to communicate the message like the regular interpretive dance would be. And then um, line dance is because it's just a series of eight counts that eight we repeat counts. like, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I always loved hearing his story because I was like, see, God helps us find our gifts and callings beyond just like being a pastor, but God works through these times. And so yeah, it's one joy of that seeing the joy in him to kind of, right. again, Zumba has kind of the same energy as right. pop interpretive line dance. And, and to really know that like, that was, that was the origin of it. That was really yeah. what kind of 
uh, sparked something in him, which I'm gr grateful. Uh, yes, I, I can honestly say I have not gone on to choreograph anything since then. <laughs> Never too late, Katie. Never too late. But uh, yeah, so in, in, in that church, we actually for a while, like, had videos and stuff up but i've looked i've I scoured youtube and i do not think they're up anymore uh much to my relief because i don't know that i'd want to see them but i just ran across a previous one from ltc that oh. I have with him in it it's one of the first years we did it yeah and it was a popular class it was very and 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 i will say that it does really add a lot of liveliness to a service to have but anyway just to kind of share you know that that we have a lot of serious things that we do, but we also have a lot of fun in ministry and wow. and and I think it's and I think it's always good to share the stories of how God uses things that you would never um, imagine or you know I would say that that was something certainly outside of my comfort zone or something I never um, would have planned on doing. Um, but, but I, I love, I mean, what I loved when I, cause I knew, you know, I'd heard through the grapevine that you had, that they had the been me complaining and then, and I, what I loved again was that also that you were willing to, you know, here, these kids had this crazy, I mean, this thing they were excited about. And it was, again, it was a way to worship God in a, it's different way in a way that kind of connected with them and they wanted to share that and I don't know how your church received it um I remember oh. when our our Canyon Lake uh, youth group did it like we had the the traditional service folks by the end of the song were on their feet like <laughs> clapping along so um, yeah well I mean I think the church was just so excited to see the youth in the certain like helping to lead service and and it was yeah. so energetic and so and we had kind of a variety so we did hip we, we took some from LTC, but we also did like some praise music that was a little more traditional mm -hmm, interpretive. Mm -hmm. um, but then we, we also, we also went kind of like Christian rock one time. And that was, that was interesting. That one happened at camp and not in the surface, but yeah, they had yeah. like hot pink shirts. Like, I mean, it was the whole nine yards, but they loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, anytime that I think the church is, a great place to be able to pursue your passions and to say, you know, I want to honor that, like give this up to God, that this is something that makes me happy. And yeah. I think the church is the place to do that because, you know, I think we can all appreciate that in one another, you know, like, I don't know that I could do that, but I'm so glad that you are. And maybe there's something in me that I could do then, you know, since this was received well. Um, that's a great, I, I mean, that's a great way to say that in general, in terms of when we see somebody being brave um, and to stand up and share, and sometimes it's, you know, doing hip hop turn finance, sometimes it's somebody who um, shares their testimony or they preach, you know, and they're mm -hmm. not the, the pastor, but they, they um, do a sermon and um, people see that and like, oh, wow. Okay. Maybe if this person can be brave and share this thing that they love and that God's really placed on their heart, maybe I can too. And I do think when, yeah, when we're brave, we inspire others to, to be brave in our, in their faith too. Yeah, that's my hope that that's what, that's the community of the church is that that's who we are is to love and support and encourage one another and to, and to say yes and to, and to put behind people who are, who are following after God with whatever crazy calling God has put on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a good reminder too that, that, those that God calls us not just to the to the pulpit but to, in other ways too and but as a church when we can reinforce that and 
say, hey, as you're, you, God's called you into teaching or into working in the hospital or working down at the gas station where you have interactions with people every day and you feel like you're called there because you get to speak life into mundane situations or whatever it is. I just feel like um, when we can, when we as a church can help give that lens which to look at life through, um, yeah, that's just part of following Jesus into that abundant life and seeing it in a different way. Well, that's, that's a great, I mean, we just finished our, our series on um, earn, save, give, and, and the last one was give all you can and talking about how, you know, the more that we give and that we live into a life of generosity, that it really is that beginning, it's that baseline of, of this abundant life and of what God wants for us. And um, yeah, I just think it all kind of goes back around of, you know, how, what God desires for us in this new life and to fully live into that um, in, in every aspect of our life, not just what we do in, in the church building or as we're watching church, um, but what we do in our jobs and what we do in our families and, and how, yeah. we, how we are in all of it. So, yeah, yeah, we really have that opportunity. I mean, isn't that, that kind of really comes back to incarnation. I mean, that it, it wasn't that, you know, God had spoken through prophets and through, you know, stone tablets and through all of that, but God spoke then through becoming and incarnating. And, and so I think that's another way that God speaks is when we incarnate, you know, when we bring the, the presence of God, the peace of Christ, which I'm going to I'm giving away bits of my sermon for a Sunday. I'm sorry. That, I just realized I was going into that. So. There's a little teaser. I, I was supposed to come up with some like teasers of saying like, what does my husband's family farm and my sleeping have in common? There you go. That's the teaser. Mm. Those are little glimpses. Um, so, but no, I think when we can incarnate, you know, again, when we um, really imagine and and believe that, the Holy Spirit is living in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. When that, that power and presence is in us and through us in our everyday context, people get a glimpse of that and are drawn to Christ because of that. Well, I think they're drawn to Christ because of our bravery in showing it. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's that piece is that, you know, I think it's there and sometimes we're just a little afraid of what, what's going to happen if I, if I really release this from me and really allow God to use me um, yeah. in ways that I'm not in control of. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is my own bias of like, you can tell how much I like to think that I'm in control of things, but I'm not. <laughs> God uses those times when I really maybe even reluctantly, you know, let go of control and say, okay, this is not what I would have chosen, but okay, like, let's, yeah, let's, let's go, you know, yeah, let me say, let me speak to this person that I probably would rather just keep my head down or let me, you know, all of these kind of things. Like when we are brave and allowing the spirit to move and not getting in the way, I think that's when we have that abundant life and, and that's when we show it. And that's when, yeah. as you said, people come to us because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it there. <laughs> Well, I think you can tell we're both preachers by... <laughs> I was going to say, we could probably just keep going on and on and kind of segue into other things. Um, 
beyond even our Methodist history podcast that we're going to be doing at another time. But um, no, I it'll, think that, it'll be a series. Yeah. It'll. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate. Um, yeah, I appreciate just the opportunity to have this conversation. And again, I'm looking forward to being present, but also it's kind of nice to be able to share a little bit of who I am. Again, some some folks there uh, have known me since I was 16, but um, some haven't seen me since I'm 18, and some I've never met at all. Others who have come along the way in, because it's been a few years since I was 18. <laughs> well, and, and I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would necessarily want people to be, to be known and judged by who I was when I was 18. Um, <laughs> Uh, I've grown a lot since then. So. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. So but okay. you were you were perfect then, so you know you just hit that level. Uh, no, no, no. It's yes, it's definitely, definitely been a journey. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. And um, would you mind closing us in a word of prayer? I would love to. Yeah. Holy and loving God. I just thank you for this time and for this gift of technology that allows us to communicate with one another and, and with people we may never even meet face to face and just to be able to, to share and give testimony to the ways that you have worked in our journey of life and faith. And God, it isn't always a journey that is easy and certainly not one that is straight and controlled um, and, and perfect all along the ways. And yet that is the beauty of your, your power at work within us and around us and through us, God, is that you redeem uh, what seem like um, detours and you use them. And you also use moments of joy and challenge and everything in between to continue to shape our hearts to beat more like yours. God, I pray for uh, Yankton First United Methodist Church and for Pastor Katie, and I pray, God, for your Holy Spirit to be pouring out on each of them, those that um, are able to gather in person and those who are not, those who are um, connecting virtually um, throughout the week, including on Sundays. And God, I just pray that you, your spirit is moving and cultivating the soil of their hearts, just um, and, and planting seeds of faith and cultivating the ones that are there to bear fruit and to bear fruit that will last, to bear fruit that will go beyond them and beyond the walls of their church. And I pray, God, just for a sense of encouragement in each of them as we navigate this challenging time, but to just be anchored in who you are and what it means that you are the savior and the Lord of our lives. And God, we are so grateful for that. It is the thing that continues to drive us to want to share this good news. God, we come and we humbly yet boldly pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Rebecca will be here this week on November 1st to lead in both our 8.30 and our 11 o'clock services. We will be doing communion. Uh, our drive-through communion will happen after our second service. So it'll be roughly around 12 o'clock for about a half an hour if you would like to get communion in that way. In between the services, we will be doing our charge conference, which we will do both in person and be streaming it so you can see what is going on that way uh, in the same places that we stream our church service. And again, we want to remind you how serious the COVID-19 situation is. Our, our numbers are rising here in Yankton County, and so uh, our COVID task force wants to remind you to be very cautious to uh, adhere to our, our guidelines, which are mandatory masks, social distancing, uh, 
frequent hand washing, and then we're not singing in our worship services. And if you are vulnerable, if you have other conditions, uh, we do encourage you to join us online or uh, with our radio broadcast as well. So we always want to keep those options available to anyone so that you can make the safest choice for you and your family. Again, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really fun. Yes, thank you, Katie. And hey, don't forget to turn your clocks back, even though I'm sure none of us want one more hour of 2020, but um, just a reminder uh, for that uh, for this weekend. And thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to Thank you for joining us on this episode of What's Going On. We'd love to have you join us for worship on Sundays at 8.30 or 11, either in person in our sanctuary with our safety protocols in place or online on our website at www.firstumcyankton.org.